Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Chatting with the Lightkeeper. I'm Edward, and as you're getting this, it is going to be Boxing Day for everyone out there, at least on the date this drops. So I hope everyone has had a festive holiday season, and we just have New Year's Eve and New Year's Day as far as the festive holidays to uh to get through, and we will be officially rocking into 2024. So I hope everyone had a great, great holiday season so far, um, no matter what holiday you celebrate. And I do hope that everyone has amazing plans uh, for 2024 and that all of those amazing plans and dreams come true for you. Now, something um, that I want to start with, and I am going to, first of all, ask for your patience a bit. I am recording this actually Christmas night. Um, Normally, I am not this tardy in recording podcasts. I normally am not a night before they release podcast recorder. I'm kind of a planner. Um, I guess if you know me, that's not a big surprise. But it's been kind of a whirlwind trying to wrap up my year end for work. And just the rush of holiday events that are out there from families to friends to all that good stuff. And then on top of it all, I have managed to royally screw up my back. Um, How did I screw up my back? I would love to tell you a fancy story that I was playing hockey and, uh, I don't know, gave a check and in the process of inflicting great damage upon my opponent, I hurt my back. Or I was skiing and I was just doing these amazing Chloe Kim things in a half pipe and jamming some rails and had a crash. Unfortunately, those are not the case. Um, I was vacuuming. Thought I would move a very light, very small little end table to vacuum underneath and behind it, and moved it, vacuumed the area, went to lift it up, put it back, and cut it all. Um, there went the back. So I have been in a whole heck of a lot of pain, um, grinning and bearing it, and smiling through all the holiday festivities, even though my back has felt. I don't know how to describe it other than very painful, which makes me not hungry, which made, you know, Christmas dinner at a very nice restaurant um, very uncomfortable because I was uncomfortable and therefore nothing on this glorious menu sounded good. Um, They ended up taking pity upon me, the waitress, and obviously the kitchen staff, and actually ended up making me a Caesar salad. Um, so yeah, I go to a fancy restaurant where, you know, it's just amazing. And I end up with a Caesar salad off menu because I feel like crap. Um, so that is how I am doing tonight. Um, hopefully tomorrow is a bit of a better day as I am supposed to get in some skiing. Um, but if the back still feels even remotely like it does tonight, um, that is just not going to happen. And I'm going to spend tomorrow, um, alternating between hot and cold and all the wonderful things that I need to do to treat my back. So I do want to tell you, I received the most amazing Christmas gift, uh, this year. My dad knows that I am a huge Yankees fan. That would be a New York Yankees. And if you're not from the States, um, it is an American baseball team. 
um, American baseball, um, something like a faster paced cricket. And I know to people who are Americans and think baseball is a slow plotting sport. Um, I get that, but I am a huge Yankees fan, have been since I was a little kid. I have no idea why. I never lived in an area where Yankees games were routinely televised or on the radio. And of course, I'm of an age where in my childhood, the internet was not a thing. It didn't even exist. So it wasn't like I could stream the Yankees games as I do. Um, now that I'm a grown-up with access to the internet, I rarely miss them. Although I rarely watch them, I normally listen, listen to them. John Sterling is their play-by-play -play voice. And summer just isn't summer for me now without hearing um, John Sterling's epic calls, the Yankees win, the Yankees win, Yankees win. Um, unfortunately, last year, I didn't hear Yankees win um, nearly as much as I had hoped to, as I didn't make the playoffs. But anyway, getting back to all things Yankees, um, their current captain, um, the captain who replaced the icon of Derek Jeter, um, who, anyway, uh, who replaced Derek Jeter, I won't get into Jeter, I won't, won't gush and fanboy, um, but the, the captain who replaced them is Aaron Judge. Uh, and he is just this hulking behemoth of a human, and when his bat connects with a baseball, uh, the baseball has a tendency to fly a very, very, very long way. Um, it is just amazing to see him make solid contact with a baseball with a bat. It's a skill I don't possess. I, you know, Maybe if you throw toss something at me, I can hit it. But if it curves or moves in any which way, guarantee you I am not going to be able to make contact with it. But the thing about American baseball is the bats are all made of wood. The baseball, I don't know how much it weighs, but it's it's hard. And when wooden bats hit baseball, um, they're they're wooden, so they will occasionally break. And you know, I do know that they sell broken bats. You can buy them, and sometimes players autograph a broken bat, and, and you know, they will sell them and whatnot. My dad found a very unique item. Um, it's a bat broken. Um, it was a bat that was broken, um, used by um, Aaron Judge. Um, and rather than just having a broken piece of whatever kind of wood they make Louisville sluggers out of, um, they took this bat sawed off where it broke and it, it looks from the length of it it probably broke down about the handle where the where you know the player would hold it and they you know chopped off that end of it and then bored out the inside and, and put this wonderful coating in it and have turned it into a coffee mug um of course with the yankees logo as well and 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 Aaron Judge's signature on it, which is beneath the the protective coating. So I have a game broken bat coffee mug autographed by the captain of the Yankees. So that was a huge surprise and a huge wonderful gift. Um, I have no idea how my dad found something like that, especially since you know, like I said, we are not. Um, you know, he is located in the same town as I am, and we are definitely not anywhere near New York State, let alone New York City, which is on the far side of the state from 
from where I would first enter New York State if I were to drive. But it was absolutely outstanding. I mean, I'm unwrapping this thing, and I'm like, what on earth is this? And then I'm like, oh, my God, you know, and it was, like, really, really cool. So that was, like, the cool gift uh, of Christmas. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't um, have any equally as cool gifts to to share. I had thought I, I had good, thoughtful gifts, but nothing, nothing like that. It was just absolutely, absolutely amazing. So I wanted to share that bit of excitement with you before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's podcast. And one of the things that I, I've said that I was going to do in 2024, one of my resolutions, if you will, for the new year is going to be um, to actually publish a book of my poetry. And I know writing poetry for me is something that is, that is very new to me. Um, it's still something that is kind of uncomfortable um, for me to do. It, it, okay, it is uncomfortable for me to do because it's out of my comfort zone. I am way, way out of that box of comfort zone. And I've written some things that I have not put on my blog or, or, or shared online. And... Since I am pushing comfort zones in 2024, that's one of my little personal goals is to step out of the comfort zone and continue to grow in life. Tonight um, on the podcast, I'm going to start with sharing four poems that I believe, and I, I stress I believe, um, in my little bit of, um, oh, pain medicine, pain patch, uh, hot and cold routine might be a little bit foggy so maybe one of these four poems i have shared i don't think i have um but um these all should be on unpublished things that i am going to read which is going to be another step out of my comfort zone um, rather than just saying hey here's the written word i am actually going to give voice um to four short poems and to couple with four poems um i have received a few what I think are fantastic questions from listeners over the last little bit. And with the permission of those who ask those questions, uh, we're going to discuss those four quick questions. And then I just have a parting thought or a challenge for you um, in 2024 um, related to the lifestyle. So that is going to be be the podcast. So please bear with me as I am doing this podcast, looking at my microphone and looking at my notes and thinking to myself, okay, you're not in any pain as you sit in this exact position. Don't move. So in the efforts of not moving, um, so we will try that. I do typically talk with my hands. I know this is a podcast, so you can't see the hands going, but I do like to kind of animated as I talk and I'm not going to be quite able to do that or if I do I will get a twinge of pain which will probably cause me to really muck up the poetry reading um, that I'm doing but rather than edit it out I am going to ask you um, to forgive me and bear with me if I do stumble um, or perhaps have a unintended pause because if there is a long pause, it's probably because I am silently swearing because I am in some pain and I don't want to leave a profane tirade out of nowhere on my podcast. So with that in mind, 
Um, let's jump into the first poem, which I have titled Love Letter. Blah, blah, blah. See? Already fumbling and bumbling without any pain. Love Leather's Line is the title of the poem. In a space where passions intertwine, about love entwined with leather's line, a tale of hearts bound in desire, in the dance of flames, love set afire. In the chamber where shadows play, whips and chains in a lover's ballet, echoes of longing, a rhythmic beat, a symphony of desire, both wild and sweet. Leather whispers secrets untold, in the dungeon of love, where dreams unfold. Bodies entwined, a sensual art, as two souls connect, never to part. Dominance and submission, a tender duet, du duet, in the moonlit dungeon, where boundaries are set. Hearts adorned with leather embrace, a dance of passion, a passionate chase. In the hush of night, a silent command, a union profound, as hearts understand. Love in a time where whips softly sing, an iconic affair where passion takes wing. So that was, that's my poem number one that I have, um, kind of wrapped away, hoping that you'll enjoy it. Um, and now we're going to get into poem number two. This is called Whispers in the Shadowed Castle. In a kingdom veiled in secrets untold, a princess fair with a heart of gold. Yet neath the castle's shadowed spire, a cladstone dance, a hidden desire. A poor young man of humble birth fell captive to the princess's whispered worth. Beneath the moon's enchanting glow, their tale of love began to grow. In a realm where rules forbade, they embraced a love in shadows laid. Dominance and submission, a secret key, binding their hearts wild and free. She, a royal rose, adorned, adorned in silk, he a pauper's soul, his love like milk. A dance of power in the hidden night, a fairy tale love, both dark and bright. The princess, a mistress of the quiet dark, he a servant, bound by love's sweet spark. Chains of passion, a tale profound, in their secret garden, love unbound. Through dungeons of longing and a castle's might, they whispered love in the silent night. In the palace's quiet were secrets spun, a love forbidden yet beautifully won. For the tapestry of their faithful dance, a princess found in a beggar's glance. In the kingdom's heart, where shadows play, a fairy tale love forever to stay. Thank you very much for humoring me through two poems. Um, now we are on to the third, which is called Twilight's Embrace. In the twilight's embrace, where shadows play, a tale unfolds in a passionate ballet. A submissive's heart, in yearning song, longs for the touch, both tender and strong. Beneath the moonlight's silent and watchful eye, a craving deep, a submissive sigh. Yearning for the sting, a dance in the night, the hand of dominance, a sweet delight. Oh, the gentle caress of a dominance hand, a symphony of desire, both fierce and grand. In the dungeon's hush, where secrets confide, the submissive craves the hand as passions collide. With every whisper, a command takes flight, 
as the submissive surrenders in the soft moonlight. The sting of control, a sweetly painful art, a dance of submission, a willing heart. In Shakespearean echoes, the tale is spun, two souls as one. In the theater of desire, where emotions command, a submissive craves the sting of a dominant hand. Okay, we are now to the, the final poem that I'm going to share today. Uh, and this is called The Dance of Delicate Dominant Dilemmas. So I hope that um, this one might be a little, little different than what you're expecting. So anyway, here we go with The Dance of Delicate Dominant Dilemmas. Dominance bear unseen weight, yet human concerns they elevate. In the dance of control, a delicate choreography. Dominance grapple with shadows of anxiety. Worry creeps in like the whispering wind. Did I push too hard, or was that too thin? Emotional tempest, storms they endure. In the silent chambers, vulnerabilities allure. Social stigma, a shroud of misconception. Dominance face judgment, a harsh reflection. Fear of discrimination, a shadow, shadowy cloak. A struggle beneath society's disapproving yoke. Ethical boundaries a maze to navigate. Did I uphold integrity or let it abate? Questions answered a relentless debate. In the dance of dominance, uncertainties innate. Insecurity may cloak their sturdy facade. Performance anxieties a relentless, relentless charade. Did I meet their needs, fulfill their expectations? Dominance, too, bear these heavy considerations. Mistakes like ripples in a turbulent stream, imperfect beings in the realm of a dominant stream, struggling with mental tempest, a silent fight, yet through the shadows they strive for the light. Slicing through this intricate view, dominance flawed like me and you, imperfect humans to bear, in the DS tapestry, authentic authenticity weaves the air. So, thank you for listening to those those four bits of my poetic ramblings. Uh, like I said, poetry is a work in progress for me. And just sharing those with you was a big step out of my comfort zone. It's much easier for me to put those in a social media post or to share them on FatLife or on my blog and say, yeah, hey, here's the written word. But it's much harder for me to take that written word and put it out with my voice attached. I don't know why. Uh, that is uh, more of a challenge for me, um, but it is. And so I wanted to challenge myself. So I appreciate everyone taking the time um, to listen to me go through that and do the little bit of a personal challenge and to share that with me. I truly appreciate that. So now that the, um, I guess we say the Dr. Zhivago um, part of the program is over with, uh, since I said Dr. Zhivago, it's an oh shiny thing moment. If you didn't know this about me, Dr. Zhivago is my favorite movie, and it is the version with Omar Sharif, and um, um, I believe it was from the 1960s, although it could be early 70s. Um, but the Omar Sharif version is absolutely fantastic. And Charlie, Chap Charlie Chapman 
Chaplin, sorry, Charlie Chaplin, the comedy actor who started in the era of silent films, and I believe he moved into the the talkie films, where, you know, we have now where you hear people dialogue. Um, but his daughter actually stars in one of the lead roles um, next to Omar Sharif and plays the role of his wife. So that little sort of tidbit um, comes in there. Um, plus there's the music of Dr. Zhivago, which is just, it's amazing. Uh, the music somehow sort of sets it all, brings it all together. It's fantastic. It is a very long movie. It's an epic movie. Um, it even has uh, Darth Vader in it. Um, but you, yeah, but it's the actor, not actual Darth Vader, but the actor who, who played Darth, oh no, no, I'm sorry, it's not Darth Vader, oh my goodness, no, it is not um, a giant person in a suit voiced by James Earl Jones, um, I think it was James Earl Jones who did Darth Vader, I know that if I got that wrong somewhere, Star Wars person is ready to tell me I got that wrong, um, but Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm sorry, Obi-Wan Kenobi plays the um, the brother of Dr. Zhivago. Uh, obviously, this was before he was Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, anyway, Zhivago is one of my favorite movies, um, and the author, Boris Pasternak, actually wrote verse, and actually wrote, um, if you buy the book, they actually end it with um, Boris Pasternak writing as though he were Yuri Zhivago, writes the Lara poems. And it's sort of my love of that movie that prompted me to say, well, let's let's see what I can do well out of my comfort zone with some poetry. So that's how that journey into verse all happened for me, is happening for me, is going to happen in 2024. So now that we're through the poems, let's get into some of the questions that uh, that have come in. And the first question is, how do you navigate introducing the lifestyle to a vanilla relationship. Um, first of all, go slowly. Um, and please don't say, hey, let's have movie night and let's watch um, Fifty Shades of Grey. And then say, well, what do you think about this? Because Fifty Shades of Grey would be a horrible movie choice um, to, to start with. Um, in fact, it might be okay to say, watch a lifestyle themed movie. Um, and use that kind of as a bridge to an opening conversation about it. Um, but perhaps something, I don't know, more profound or less well-known. And I know for most people who are involved in the lifestyle, The Secretary is a well-known movie, but it necessarily outside of those contexts, it is not well-known. So if you are wanting to perhaps bring it up with a partner and you don't know where they stand, the secretary might be a way to do that or consider uh, reading a book um, on the lifestyle together. Um, but really, it's about communication. It takes communication and you cannot, in my opinion, make somebody into a dominant or submissive. Either it's sort of in their soul or it isn't. Yes, I do believe that most people can learn to play a role. You know, they could play the bottom or they could play the top. But to truly have a lifestyle relationship where it's not just 
amazing Hinktastic play uh, in the bedroom or whichever rooms in your house or wherever it is that you engage in your hinky goodness. Uh, anybody can kind of play that role to spice up the uh, sexy side of a relationship, but to truly dive down and engage in a DS relationship is something that has to sort of be found in somebody's soul. Um, rather than just sort of a role play, because then you just have kinky role plays that happen from time to time. But it starts all starts with good communication, being able to clearly communicate your desires, your boundaries, um, listening and actually hearing what your partner has to say, starting gradually, start very small, make sure that obviously consent is always featured in everything you do. Um, you know, no matter who the dominant is and the submissive, make sure everybody is starting gradually. There's mutual consent and, and that there's always ongoing communication. And just because you are curious about exploring uh, the lifestyle, um, your partner may not be. They may seem on the surface to say, be the perfect dominant or be the perfect submissive, but really have no desire um, to go down the lifestyle's rabbit hole. Um, you have to understand that too. It's not like uh, it's going to be like, oh yeah, great idea. Um, sometimes that happens. Um, unfortunately, uh, more times than not, um, experience has shown that, uh, at least from, from people that I've talked to, um, that it may not be there, or it may be something that you explore together and it, and it brings you closer. Uh, but whatever it is, it's all about communication, and it's always about uh, moving slowly and taking little bites. Uh, kind of goes back to uh, I was kind of you know gushing, fanboying over um, the New York Yankees earlier, and I mentioned the previous captain, Derek Jeter. Uh, there was this lovely, uh, lovely boy. That's a good word to describe a, um, a documentary on sports. Lovely. That's a lovely sports documentary. Um, uh, intriguing documentary um, that was done on Derek Jeter. Uh, it was called The Captain, and I believe it was like seven, eight parts. It's absolutely fantastic. If you're a baseball fan, uh, highly recommend it. Um, you can find it on ESPN+. Plus. I'm not sure if that means it's on Disney as well, because Disney and ESPN are, are, are some sort of family type thing. But um, it's on ESPN+, Plus. definitely. It's called The Captain. And Derek was talking about, or one of his good friends was talking about his approach, because New York City obviously has a lot of temptations for a young, attractive uh, sporting superstar to potentially fall into some bad habits. And New York City is nicknamed, if you don't know this, the Big Apple. I think most of you do. Um, but the thing that came back to you was that Derek took little bites out of the apple. And so the same applies um, to the lifestyle is you take little bites. Um, in some of my writings on my blog, I refer to the lifestyle as sort of like a one of those extravagant Las Vegas buffets. And you could pile it all onto one plate and have this enormously overflowing plate of goodness that you sit down and you eat and you eat so much of it that you basically feel ill because you've ate too much. And it's better to just go slow and take little pieces here and there and go back to the buffet um, for extra trips when you're ready. So really it comes down to 
being able to communicate your desires and your boundaries, respecting your partner's desires, boundaries, and actively listening to what they have to say and their thoughts on it, obviously, little bites, and always with everything, make sure that everyone involved is consenting. So the next question is, what advice do you have for a new dominant who is trying to build build their build trust with a um, potential submissive partner. And I thought it was fantastic that a new dominant would reach out with a question. So often, first of all, it seems like dominant, there's a stigma for dominants to ask questions like this. And I don't know why. Uh, I, I, you can read really anywhere on, on the internet. You'll find all kinds of questions coming from submissives. Uh, submissives just seem to have no problem asking their questions. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the misconception that dominance have to be dominant and all-knowing or, or what it is, but it's just, it's awesome when a dominant, you know, says, hey, I don't know, what do you think? And is looking for input. So dominance, don't be shy. Ask your questions. That doesn't mean you have to ask me, but just reach out to wherever and whoever um, that you trust and, and get some thoughts and feedback. So building trust is really, you know, it's trust is a cornerstone. It's a pillar of any relationship, whether you are building a friendship, a relationship, or a lifestyle relationship. Trust is a pillar that you need to be there or a solid foundation. You really can't make it grow and Unfortunately, I just shifted my weight, so I got one of those nice little pain twinges. Um, but trust is one of those things that needs to be there. And trust, really, it's not a process that you can rush. Uh, building trust is sort of like a farmer um, working in their field. And by farmer, I actually mean a real farmer, not, uh, well, I guess I guess now we could say that Jeremy Clarkson with Clarkson's, Clarkson's farm is a true farmer now. Um, and one of the lessons, if you watch Jeremy, if you're a fan of Mr. Clarkson, I am, um, is he learned early on that there are no shortcuts. You know, he tried to shortcut this when he plowed the field and he tried to shortcut that early on with farming to make the actual work go faster. And those shortcuts led to issues down the road. And trust is very much like a farmer tending to their field. They can't rush it, and you can cultivate it, you can work hard at it, and it's going to blossom when it's ready to blossom. You can't, you can't rush that blossoming process as much as we might like to. And sometimes, just like a farmer with their, their field of crops, they could tend to it, they could do everything right, and Mother Nature could throw one of, you know, one of their horrible storms at the poor farmer in the field and destroy the crop of trust. So trust is something that takes time to bloom. You can't rush it. Once again, communication, being an active listener are key components to building trust. And for dominance and submissives and switches, consistency consistently having your actions match your words. It's, you know, I said I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. 
And look, I did it. And it's very much about being consistent, doing what you're going to say, when you're going to do it, and just following through. You don't have to like toot your horn, look what I did today, but just consistently having your actions build or match your words. And since this is kink, um, there is one activity that personally for me can be an incredible trust building uh, enterprise. And no, I'm not talking about one of those. I don't know if you've ever had to go on one of these wonderful corporate retreats where you do these activities to build trust in your team and trust falls and all these other shenanigans that they put you through to learn how to better trust your peers. Um, those type of corporate endeavors drive me bonkers. I mean, I know they serve a purpose and I know they help build team and build unity and all that good stuff. They just drive me bonkers. But within the lifestyle, there is a certain thing that I find is an amazing place where trust really can blossom. And that's during aftercare. Uh, it's just, it's a very intimate time. And it's a place where if the play really clicked with you and your partner or partners, it, that aftercare time can just be a place where sort of everyone is vulnerable. Everyone is sort of in a headspace of sort of recovering, coming down, adjusting to post-play feelings. And somehow in that wonderful mix of emotions of aftercare, uh, it's a place where trust can really, really blossom. Um, and I know that doesn't speed up, you know, the blossoming of trust from planting the crop. It doesn't keep the chance that some unforeseen event could come in and huff and puff and, and blow it all down in a heartbeat. Um, but yeah, aftercare is a wonderful space that for me, um, really can help trust take root. So, third question, how can a submissive express their needs without feeling guilty? And in a way, this question makes me kind of feel sad. And I know it's Christmas Day and we shouldn't be feeling sad. We should be all be joyful and blah, blah, blah. And started to talk with my hands there as I was expressing that to a mistake. Got the reminder from the back, hey, I'm here. Be nice. So the reason why it makes me feel sad is no matter what kind of relationship you have, whether it's a vanilla friendship, uh, whether it's a vanilla relationship, whether it's a lifestyle partnership, whether it's a lifestyle, you know, friends with benefits type thing, no matter what your role, um, you should never, ever feel guilty about expressing what you need. A need is, I mean, a need is something that you have to have. Like I could sit here and say, well, I need to go skiing tomorrow. So my back needs to cooperate because I need to ski. I strongly feel the need to make turns and slide down a hill on some, well, with the weather being where it is, we will say the snow is going to have the consistency of mashed potatoes. Not ideal. Um, but I still have the need. Uh, but it's really not a need. It's a what. Like, um, my life is not going to be incomplete um, or I'm not going to be feel left wanting if I can't go tomorrow, either can't go because the back won't let me go or mother nature has said, I'm making the snow go home. 
um, which is a very, very likely possibility, unfortunately. Um, but there's a difference between a need and a want. My scheme is a want. I can phrase it with all the word. I can use need, 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 all I want there. But it's really, it's a want. But a need is something that you truly have to have met to be happy. So if you are in a partnership um, and you have unmet needs, you are eventually going to become unhappy or you will be left in a position that is really, it's not fun. It's that, um, you know, it's the settling feeling. And I am not a believer in settling in relationships. So if your needs or even a need isn't getting met, never feel guilty about expressing that, even if you're submissive. You have a need. Now, be clear, an actual need. This is something you need from your dominant partner. This is not um, like Edward saying he needs to go skiing tomorrow. You are not expressing a want. Um, you are expressing something that you need. Um, do it. Um, do it with open communication. Um, really being able to express a need to your partner, whether you're a dominant submissive switch or even pure vanilla or vanilla extract or heart kinky, however you describe yourself, uh, openly communicate with that partner, with your partner. You know, hey, I have a need. Let's we need to we need to work on this together. Um, it shows self awareness, um, and that is very important, especially in DS. You have to be aware of yourself, um, and. I believe a dominant in building a relationship needs to, actually needs to create with their submissive partner, it's kind of a joint thing, but a dominant needs to lead the way to making their relationship be a safe space for everyone involved to express what they need, also to express their wants. You know, I want to go skiing tomorrow. I should have a safe place to express the fact that I want to go skiing tomorrow. Even though I know that if I had a submissive partner, they'd be like, yeah, you you may need to go skiing tomorrow. You may want to go skiing tomorrow. Uh, but how's that back doing? Uh, have you um, done your stretching exercises to loosen it up in the last, you know, whatever little bit? Because I do know every so often I'm supposed to do them. And I am overdue for doing my stretching exercises. So I would most likely in a relationship, get um, directed um, to take care of myself, which is a good thing. But a dominant needs to create a space, lead the creation of the space, together with their submissive, where everyone involved can express their needs, their wants, their desires, talk through them. Once again, actively listen to your partner. Understand it's okay to express your boundaries. It's okay to say, I'm sorry, you need that, but that's not a need I can meet. And then, of course, that opens up a whole lot more questions to talk through. Um, but boundaries and limits are a big part of that. But any DS relationship needs to be a safe space where a submissive can express their needs and not feel guilty about it. No one should ever feel guilty for saying, I need this from my partner. It, it's that simple. 
Um, so open communication, being self-aware, and having a safe space to to share that. So that's my thoughts on expressing needs without guilt. And our final question, um, what are some ways to incorporate rituals into a DS dynamic? Now, rituals are great little tools to reinforce rules, um, especially for submissives. Submissives tend to, and this is a generalization, not all submissives feel this way, and this doesn't fit and doesn't work for every submissive or every dominant, but rituals can be a great way um, to have a process where, whether it's daily or weekly, uh, it reinforces the, the dynamic, whether it's, um, for example, the submissive uh, kneeling before bed at night, you know, and, and doing a, uh, a little, you know, reading or sharing a um, thought or repeating a phrase, whatever, you know, little things like that, or uh, journal writing can be a ritual. Uh, morning coffee, uh, since I am a coffee fan, can be a ritual. For example, the submissive uh, waking up, you know, I don't know what it takes to brew a pot of coffee these days. I have a timer. Um, even with that set, the you know, the submissive gets up, you know, the alarm goes off, the submissive gets up, of course, the cup of coffee brings it to their dominant in bed, and and, you know, perhaps they chat about the day or whatever. There's a little ritual to start each day. But these little rituals um, should be things that are designed to continue to build and maintain the connection between partners. They need to be consistent. Uh, many submissives who, are, who enjoy rituals, um, that consistency is something that, um, that helps them um, especially feel, in a way, feel submissive and also have a consistent thing in the relationship. And consistency is something that, for them, really clicks. And it's also something that sort of balances practicality. You know, the morning coffee is a very practical thing. And yet the symbolism, the submissive serving the coffee, um, being of service, and then having just that little bit of a daily dose of practicality, uh, DSYs, and, and the symbolism can, uh, for many, enhance a relationship. So it's kind of fun to be creative, to see things if they work. It's okay to try a ritual and say, you know, this isn't clicking for me. Let's try this or let's tweak it this way. Uh, it's not something that you necessarily need to have immediate success, but be adaptable. Um, like most with most things with uh, with the lifestyle, it's all about adapting, adjusting, and changing. Or, for example, you'll find a ritual works, and then maybe after a couple of years or a couple of months, maybe it needs to switch up because the ritual's kind of gotten stale. Um, but rituals are little activities that are designed to reinforce the dynamic and also help partners not only reinforce the dynamic but a fun way um, to connect and keep the the DS spark alive, if you will. So there are the four fun questions. Now, since we are getting ready to roll into the new year, 
I know this is something I've, I've mentioned before, um, but it's a challenge, and it's a challenge I would like to extend to everyone. Consider some role reversal in 2024. If you are a dominant and you are in a partnership with an amazing submissive or submissives, um, or if you're a submissive in a partnership with an amazing dominant or dominance, or even if you are a single dominant or a single submissive, consider role reversal. And what I mean by role reversal is if you're in a partnership, flip roles around, or even for a day, a weekend, maybe a week or a month, however it works in your life, or even part of, you know, switch up something, um, so that you get an idea of walking in. If you're a dominant, you walk in your submissive shoes for a day or a weekend or a week or maybe even a month, if that's your, if that's how long you feel comfortable doing it. But by changing the role, you are walking in your partner's shoes. Now, you may not internalize, you may not feel the same feels that they do from that role, which is understandable, just as if you are the submissive who's become the dominant for the weekend, you may not get the same feels that your dominant gets out of leading the relationship, um, but that's okay. You are getting to experience what they go through. Um, and having that experience, even doing it briefly, you know, maybe do it for a, do it on Saturday and then in a couple of, you know, a couple of months, maybe you take a week's vacation with your partner and, and you do two days where you, you flip the rules while you're on vacation. Um, but you're just sort of walking in the other person's shoes, which I believe helps a dominant become a better dominant and a submissive become a better submissive because you're seeing life through the lens of the other side of the slash. And if you're single, you can think about things, for example, you see an article about something about submissive and you're a submissive and the article sort of rings true and you, you think, wow, that's, that, that was a really good article I just read. But then in your head, flip it around and try to visualize how a dominant uh, would see that. Um, and if you're a dominant, do the same thing. If you see or read something or you have a discussion in your mind after the fact, flip it around and say, how would that feel as a submissive? What would that be like? So challenge yourself to not only grow in the role that you are finding as your home, but also challenge yourself to think about it from the other side. How would, you know, as a dominant, I often do think if I was submissive, if I was a submissive, how would I react to this? How would this make me feel? And I realize that my answers may not fit with a submissive, but I think it's important that we look at things from the other side of the slash. I think it makes us better dominance. It makes us better submissives. And really, the more we challenge our mind, the more we step out of our comfort zone, because let's face it, as a dominant, if I start approaching something as perhaps how a submissive mindset might approach it, um, it's stepping out of my dominant box, my dominant comfort zone, and looking at, a, at the something from a whole new perspective, which leads to growth. So 
in 2024, my challenge is flip the roles, reverse the roles, and challenge yourself um, to see things from the other side of the slash. And I believe it will make you a better dominant. It will make you a better submissive. And even if what you think it might feel like isn't how it actually feels like, the experience is going to make you better and it's going to help you step out of your comfort zone, which of course allows us all to grow. So on that note, I hope once again, everyone had a very, very happy holiday season. And since it's Boxing Day, Boxing Day today, I hope everyone has a fabulous Boxing Day. If you know what Boxing Day is actually about, I mean, there has to be something more to it than today is the day that you put items in boxes that you're going to return to the store. I don't think it's a holiday um, to celebrate, you know, Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, and Mike Tyson, um, famous boxers. I don't think that's part of the thing. So I, I don't know the history of Boxing Day. So if you know it, um, please feel free to enlighten me. And no matter where you're listening, please don't forget to follow the podcast um, so that you never miss an episode. And I can't wait to chat with you in 2024. So I'll see you next year.